Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life. Start putting an effort into spending more time where other people are and making those connections. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've watched me on NBC's Access Daily, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another intriguing episode of Dates and Mates. So I was doing my usual deep dive on data about love and dating when I came across a stat that just honestly blew my mind. Are you ready for this? You might consider sitting down. Okay, here it is. 54% of men said they'd rather play video games than have sex on a given day. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I know the pandemic has left a lot of people feeling lonely and isolated, but I found this statistic to be completely shocking. It actually comes out of a study on single male loneliness that was conducted by my fellow dating coach, Blaine Anderson. This study is jam-packed with fascinating findings, and I just had to have Blaine on this week to break it all down with me. Plus, Blaine is also one of the top dating coaches on texting, and you know how passionate I get about that topic. So she will be sharing tips for everybody on how to be a better texter, how to send a first message that gets a response, and how to be in integrity in your dating life. But first, I got a hot dish for you. How Drew Barrymore gave us all a masterclass on empathic listening. And then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. I swipe left on profiles that mention the importance of chemistry. Am I making a mistake? All right, grab your hot tea and your cool demeanor because it's time to dish. These dating dish. HuffPost says Drew Barrymore is giving us a masterclass in empathic listening. And as someone who has been on the show, I've been the official love expert of the Drew Barrymore show since season one. I can say 100% yes, she is. Uh... Humble brag, we just got nominated for seven Daytime Emmy Awards, <laughs> but that's not even the most exciting news this week, because Drew has been making headlines for her unconventional interview style. In case you haven't seen the show yet, first of all, go see the show, watch my segments, but watch some of her interviews, like uh, her recent interview with Brooke Shields. She sat cross-legged on the couch while she was talking to Brooke. Um, she had an interview with Chloe Bailey where she knelt on the floor in front of her when Chloe was talking about her experience of imposter syndrome. Um, Drew kneels on the floor a lot. Like backstage, the producers are all like, oh, Drew's on the floor again. <laughs> but this is how she connects with people. She connected with Machine Gun Kelly because he said he was having an off day. She, she like gazed into his eyes. Uh, they did nails together. Like she let him paint her nails. It's wild the way that she connects with people. And there's been a lot of chatter on whether or not she gets too close to her guests or whether she's, you know, too much in their space. But I can say from being on the show for so long and working with her for the last three years, that's just Drew. And I think it's actually something we haven't seen a lot before because everything is so robotic and so calculated, both on daytime TV and in real life, that I really do think that there's a learning opportunity here. And she's making the headlines because it's different from what we're accustomed to. So the HuffPost calls what she does empathic curiosity. And to break down what she is 
doing, whether it's strategic or just natural, I think it's natural for her. First, she uses self-disclosure to get her guests to open up. They open up about a lot of really intimate things. It's also so shocking because these are things that most people are not talking about in other interviews because Drew starts with self-disclosure. She gives her experiences, her examples. She puts it all out there and she doesn't do it with shame or blame. She's just like, yeah, I've had trouble with alcohol. I've had trouble with dating. And that is just the kind of energy that really makes someone lean in. The other thing that she does is body language. So a minute ago, I was talking about her uh, getting on the floor <laughs> or or kneeling really close to a guest. But she does that to really show that she has care for them and that what they're saying is emotionally resonating with her. So that's the embodied aspect. But then there's also a cognitive aspect that she's processing what happened with them and she's showing them or telling them through her speech that she understands what they're going through. So the goal is not just to merge with another person, according to this article. It's to learn about their distinct experience. You see the difference there? It's not just like, yes, I understand you. I've been there too. We are the same. It's it's kind of a yes and. It's that and it's saying I see the unique situation that you're in. And while I have not been in that situation, I have empathy for what you've been through. All right. So how does this apply to you? Well, you know, I'm always talking on the show about empathetic dating. So this article also had some great tips on how to bring more empathy into your daily life. And I would say also into your love life. So the first thing is body language, of course. That communicates empathy when you are leaning in like Drew does in the intense moments. You don't shy away from that. You don't shy away from sustained eye contact. And you give facial expressions that really show that you're listening, you understand, and you care. That's the first thing to do. And the next thing, it is verbal, but I don't want you to get all caught up in trying to say the right thing. I get so many questions on the show about what do I say on a date or how do I let someone know? And you've heard me say this about dating, but the article also uh, notices this about Drew's interviewing style, that it's actually more about listening than it is about talking. So the most important thing that you do when you're empathetically listening is you stop talking. And don't think about how you're going to respond. So this puts you into the future. If you're thinking about what you're going to say, you're not in the moment. You're not really listening and honestly reacting or responding to what is said. The other tip from this article is wait three seconds before interjecting what you think or feel or before asking another question. And I think this is a great tip. And I think this is something I don't do all that well. (laughs) I think most people speak in overlaps. Uh, I find that natural conversation when you're bonding with someone, you tend to build on what the other person's saying. And that creates that energetic momentum that I often talk about on dates where you really feel like you're connecting. But Drew is making a TV show. And for those of you who may know that you have the tendency to 
talk over someone, I think this is a great exercise to practice. And it's just so clear. Just wait three seconds. And what are you doing in that time? You're not on your phone. You're not looking off into space. You're not, um, you know, profusely sweating and panicking (laughs) about what you're going to say. You're making eye contact. You're giving full body listening. And you're nodding your head and you're giving them facial expressions that show you're listening and you're processing what they're saying. And if you don't have a, a reaction or response to what they've said, this is, I'll give you a little bonus tip that's not in the article. Sometimes it's enough to just repeat. Actually, Drew does this a lot off camera. Uh, it doesn't always end up in the show because they're... you know, they cut it all down. Like those interviews with Drew where she gets really close and intimate, they happen on the show in like eight minutes. But in real life, they're 30 minute long conversations. She really likes to go in deep with people. And what I like to do when I'm coaching daters on empathetic listening is to first teach them to just, if you don't have a response yet, just repeat what that person said so that you confirm that you heard them and they really feel like what you said landed. So that's the first way to connect. So if somebody says, I had a problem with addiction, you may say, wow, you have a problem. You had a problem with addiction. And then you can kind of add, add a feeling, add a thought, or even just add, I'm not sure how to process that, or that must have been a lot for you, or wow, tell me more about that. And through that response, you let that person know that they've been heard and that you are curious. This is the empathic curiosity that the article talks about. You're curious to go in deeper with them. Last point on this article, they say, a deeply connective conversation relies on mutual self-disclosure, but it should not descend into one-upmanship. Like, this is not a pity party. Like, oh, you dealt with addiction? Well, I've had addiction in my family, and my sister even went to prison because of her addiction. That is factual, but also um, that is distancing from the other person because it's like, I'm trying to show that my pain is greater than your pain. Or it doesn't even have to be pain. It could be my joy is greater than your joy or my work is busier than your work or whatever it is. That is not the vibe of a date. The vibe of the date is to put yourselves on the level playing field, see eye to eye, hear one another and connect to truly listen and connect. All right. To wrap it up, I'm just going to answer the question because everybody always asks me, What is Drew really like in real life? Is she like that off camera? I've been working with her for three years and I can say 100% yes. She truly, truly cares. And there's even more empathy that she employs with the audience when the cameras aren't rolling. So, you know, it's real because she doesn't have to do that. She doesn't have to tell the people who come to see her show. I really appreciate you being here. You could be doing anything with your day, but you're here with us and I thank you for it. She can have that gratitude with people because she is so open-hearted and that's truly who she is on the inside. So with the daytime Emmys coming up, please cross your fingers for a big win or I don't know, seven big wins for us. Tune in to see more of my advice in season four this fall. 
and try out a little empathic listening on your next date. When we come back, Blaine Anderson will be here with me to break down her single male loneliness study and up-level your dating game. Blaine Anderson is a dating coach for men, and her mission is to curb the increasing isolation that men are experiencing globally. She's been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Psychology Today, the New York Post, and Vice, among others. And she offers one-on-one coaching, practical online courses, and relatable dating content via her fast-growing company, Dating by Blaine. Please help me give big smooches to Blaine Anderson. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Girl, I'm excited to have you because, you know, we talk to different audiences. You know, we have we have men that listen to this podcast, certainly, but most of my clients are women. Most of your clients are men. Yeah. And so we are coming at the same problem from different points of view. <laughs> mm-hmm. What would you say, Blaine, is the biggest shift that you've noticed? I talk on the show a lot about the effect of the pandemic in mm-hmm. particular on dating today. What do you see as the biggest shift for men in dating over the last three years? From my perspective and the type of men I work with, I see a big shift in just having healthy relationships with women, but also with people in their lives. More men than ever before are feeling lonely. I actually conducted some research on this to support these claims. And what I have found is that when you feel disconnected or you feel lonely, even in your community or from friends and family, that really has a ripple effect into the rest of your life and in particular into dating lives. So I've really seen men struggling with that. Yeah, I got to look at this survey and there's some really interesting data. My audience knows I love data and love surveys (laughs) because I like to know what's really going on with people and what's happening in dating culture overall. And there were some interesting numbers that I came across. Uh, I'm going to quote a couple of them to you. (laughs) You found that 57% of single men said they have not had sex in three months or more, in over Mm -hmm. three months. And I started thinking about, you know, the, the game that a lot of people talk about having sex with so many women, having so much sex. And we all think everybody else must be having more sex than I am. But I've been seeing this trend for a while. And I was like, is this number new or is this about what it was before? Do you know? You know, I don't have data to support what it was before, but just what I've seen more generally is, you know, this was already sort of a trend. Like people are spending more time with their screens, less time with other people. That's oftentimes leading to less sex. And then I think the pandemic just shot that number up and it just caused it to intensify in a shorter period. Because for a while there, we really couldn't even meet other people. And like, you couldn't have sex without risking like contaminating like everyone in your bubble. So, you know, it was touch and go there. And then I think that um, has just that so that exacerbated it. But it's definitely been a trend for a while. Well, and the results are kind of kind of dire at this point, like over a third of the men you surveyed said that they were unmotivated or had given up when it comes to dating. And 54% said they'd rather play video games than have sex on any given day. And that, like, we can't let that become the norm. Yeah. 
That they'd yeah. rather play video games than have sex? What's happening, Blaine? No, that's a scary one for sure. And I think, you know, the pandemic didn't help this either, but it's much larger than just the last couple years. As people rely, as people have screens and it's not just video games, but basically instant entertainment through social media, through starting a show, starting a movie, anything, with putting no work into it right in front of them, I, human instinct often is to pick the path of least resistance. So if you can get entertainment that way, you know, you really have to be intentional and motivated to like go get that entertainment out in the real world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think everyone is ultimately responsible for the life they lead and there's things that we can do to combat this, but oftentimes video games or screens is the path of least resistance. So that's what people are choosing and it's a problem. Yeah. And we do use that as our safety security blankie when we're out too. Oh, yeah. You know, just getting out of our virtual worlds and looking up from our phones, I feel like that would solve a lot of dating problems today. But, you know, I coach a lot of people on online dating. And one of the tips I give people is that when you're not using it as a tool to meet somebody and you're meeting someone IRL, you should not be on your phone. <laughs> Absolutely. Even when you go throughout your day-to-day -day life, it's so second nature to pick up your phone at any break, like check that email, scroll social media, whatever it may be. When you're sitting on the bus, when you're waiting at a cafe, when you're waiting across the street even, like I do it too. But uh, the more you can actually just put that away and look up and meet the people around you, not even like meet and like, hi, you know, my name's Blaine, but just make eye contact, smile, be open to conversations. Like not only like, yes, that can help your dating life because you could actually meet somebody, but it will also help this loneliness pandemic we're seeing where you're not going to feel as lonely, even if you're having little micro interactions with more people on a daily basis and those will snowball. Yeah, I definitely want to get more in depth with you in a minute about how to use the phone as a tool, how to text better, how mm -hmm. to send the right message on dating apps. But I, I really want to give some relief to the people listening who may be dealing with these feelings of loneliness or anxiety or depression as it relates to dating. What can they do, Blaine? Where can they start? Because to go from playing video games on your couch to like thinking about having sex with another person, that's kind of a big <laughs> leap. There must be some baby steps in between that you can share. Totally. First, I think I want to acknowledge that those feelings are legitimate. Like it, you are not alone. There are so many people out there who feel anxious and overwhelmed or depressed when it comes to dating or just like making connections with other people. And it's not, you know, it, you're not alone in that. So recognizing that can be one just like helpful step of like meeting yourself where you are. And then let's say you're at the very beginning, like you're right, like going from doing nothing to like dating or having sex or even like asking a woman for her, her phone number can be very overwhelming. So something that I work with clients on is like, okay, put dating, put romantic relationships, put ships, put, you know, even getting a phone number out of your mind. You're not allowed to actually get a woman's phone number now. Your only priority is to go out and make other people smile. So that can be through eye contact and smiling yourself. Uh, maybe you take it one step further and you say hello or you have a, a conversation with somebody. But having those little baby steps. Um, and then something, you know, go out. What does that mean? Like it could be as simple as literally start getting a coffee out every single day. Maybe right now you're making your coffee at home. Maybe you eat all your meals at home. Like 
kudos, that's healthy and, you know, economical, great, but it's not going to help you meet more people. And it might actually be exacerbating your feelings of loneliness or uh, anxiety about having social interactions. So take the baby steps and start putting an effort into spending more time where other people are and making those connections. And then one step beyond that, what kind of hobbies can you pick up that actually don't involve a screen? You know, what's something you've been interested in learning or improving or just getting like more exposure to it could be learning a foreign language or playing an intramural sport or pottery, like literally anything and incorporate something that excites you into your weekly routine. I'm not going to say you have to do it every day. That's not necessarily realistic based on everyone's schedule. But if you're doing it once a month or once a quarter, like that's not enough to make change. Pick something that you enjoy and commit to doing it every single week. And I think some of, you know, a lot of the tips I think we both give are things that aren't even directly related to dating, like doing things on your own, finding things you're passionate about, but will have an outsized effect on your dating life. One of the things about finding hobbies and doing things on your own that I definitely see have a benefit for my clients is you have more things, interesting things to then talk about when you do go on dates. Even if you're not meeting a woman at the art gallery that you're going to, You can then talk about that on dates. If you're sitting at home playing video games or doing whatever you're doing on your own at home, like she doesn't want to hear about that. Other people aren't interested in that. They want to hear about that cool trip you took to Italy or the art gallery you visited or how your intramural soccer team won the championship. Those are good stories that are going to help other people understand your values, your interests and form a connection. Oh, those are, that's such a great perspective as well, because a lot of times people ask me, what do I talk about on a first date? And of course I have a system and I I have tools and techniques I give people, but at the core, if you are the most interesting version of yourself and looking to connect with another interesting person and you want to share all of the amazing things about your life, it shouldn't be so hard to carry on yeah. a conversation but I think we are we're out of practice and you and I both look at this in the same way like a lot of these skills they're learned skills and you can improve at them the more that you do them absolutely dating is absolutely a learnable skill so many parts of it can feel really overwhelming and tricky because you either don't have experience with it and it's not something that was covered in school but you can absolutely learn systems and techniques that will make it a lot easier Okay, so let's talk about some of those systems and techniques as they apply to online dating, my favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think the biggest challenge is for men right now when it comes to dating apps? Oh, okay. (laughs) So many challenges for men when it comes to dating apps. I have a few theories here, but the number one thing to even get to having Other problems is not having pictures that are good enough. I think women have a unique advantage where they, as a general stereotype, they know how to take a better photo. They're more invested in taking photos of themselves and their friends when they're out and about. So many men come to me and they bring me a hundred photos and not a single one of them could be used on their dating app. Not a single one. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You went on this trip to Greece. You went and did this and you don't have a single good photo to show for it. A woman would never do that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And guys, we're not calling you ugly. That's not what we're saying. No, 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 no. It's not. You're bad photographers. I am calling you bad at photos. (laughs) One of my friends just posted 
<laughs> a picture that her husband took of herself and her kids. And she was like, yeah, my my husband does not understand Instagram. It's like from a low angle. <laughs> they're like, they're, their hair is all of it. Like, it's just the lighting is wrong. But, you know, again, it's a learned skill. We're conditioned because we are groomed to, like, I know my mom was like, you have to dress a certain way. You have to sit like this. Mm-hmm. Like, Blaine, I was sent to finishing school. I Wow. No joke. Like, learn to walk with a book on my head. And I <laughs> was not born in the 1950s, okay? <laughs> but she was like, you are a mess. <laughs> Go learn how to be. Uh, and, of course, I rejected all of it. But I at least, that was a part of my upbringing. That was something that I was spoken to about. But... You know, maybe you can relate to that as some of my clients do, just in terms of being talked to about hair products and taking care of your skin or dressing in a certain way. It's or reading totally. even magazines. Like, you know, I read Cosmo and Glamour from the time I was young. Not even being like talked to necessarily, but being like subconsciously fed that I needed to like look a certain way and like be presentable and like I think that's a whole nother topic that like for women can actually be destructive it's like oh like so much of your value is put into how you look but I don't think men actually not all men have that same you know those same things going on in their head and that can translate to bad photos on dating apps (laughs) and it does and it definitely does (laughs) and I've seen those photos what do you say to guys who need to improve their dating profile? Like, okay, you need to take new shots. What What do you tell them? Yeah, so a lot of the guys I work with end up needing like a professional photo shoot. You don't want more than a couple of your photos to be pro. And even those ones, you don't want it to look like a headshot. Like you like hired someone to like, you know, take your LinkedIn photo. Uh, But you do need a couple high quality, good photos. It's totally possible to get that job done on a relatively new iPhone. I just find that even with the iPhone, you also need to have somewhat of an eye for photography, lighting, angles, and like a lot of guys just don't do that. So I'm like, save yourself the headache and hire a professional. But one step further than that, your profile should be an extension of you. It should highlight who you are, how you spend your time, what it would look like to date you. So you need to highlight your interests and your hobbies. This isn't just like six photos of you smiling and staring at the camera with like a slightly different background, like incorporate the things you like to do into your profile through not only your photos, but also your prompts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important. You don't, it's not your resume. You don't need to incorporate everything, but pick a few highlights and make sure it looks like you have some interests. Yes. So just to echo what we were saying in the beginning, get a hobby. Yeah. If you don't have one, get one. <laughs> Take a picture of it. Yeah, exactly. A flattering picture. Um, yeah. I love that. And I say a similar thing in, in having like context in your photos. What about strategy on the apps? So what I hear from a lot of men is this belief that women are just sitting here with inboxes flooded with hundreds, thousands of messages they can't sort through. Women have it so easy on dating apps. And I'm like, come and listen to my show for for a minute because that is not really the case. I'm sure you hear that. But what do you think the reality is of the experience on dating apps for men versus women? And how, how does that translate into how you guide your clients to take 
to, to be more successful on the apps? Yeah. So first of all, apps are hard for everybody. Let's just acknowledge that. Nobody wants to be on a dating app. It is a means to an end. And I think the more everyone can appreciate, it's like not, it's hard for either party. Like the more empathy you'll have for the situation, the better you'll be. But with that being said, men and women do have different challenges in my mind. I do think women have a challenge of they have a lot more to sort through. They have more options to sort through. They get more matches. But that again, not saying that makes it easier. Like they just have a different problem where men, on the other hand, often their challenge is sticking out enough to get a match or to have a woman engage with them. So really my goal when I'm helping a client design their profile is how are you going to stand out from Every other, I call them baseball cards she's looking at. She's just looking at a bunch of baseball cards right now. So what makes your baseball card one she wants to collect or connect with? You know, how are you going to differentiate yourself from others? And if you if you don't do that, then like you aren't going to have success dating online. You aren't going to get matches. So that's the first thing. Like, that's just how you're even going to get that first initial like chance to form a connection is having a profile that you look good in, you stand out, and she can engage with. And then one step further than that, you and this is where a lot of guys, even good-looking guys who don't struggle to get matches, drop the ball, is you need to know how to move from match to date. Most women, and I'll be cur- I'd be curious your opinion on this, but they're going to expect the guy to lead the conversation and move the conversation along and get off the app and get to the date. So you need to have a formula for doing that. You need to know how to do that. And it's not just, hey, want to go out this weekend? Like, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, w- I should get your take on this now. I feel like the playing field is leveled with dating apps. And I don't think that it really matters who sends the initial message. If there's interest and there's momentum building, it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I agree. I don't think it matters. But I think for speaking to men, if they want to give themselves the best shot, they need to be prepared to take the move. They can't be waiting for the girl to take the move, make the move. Because a lot of women do, they don't want to. They want the guy to make the first move. Um, And again, and my clients would love if women made the first move. Like, ladies out there, please start making your moves, shooting your shot, sending the message. Guys will love it. But when I'm talking to my guys, I'm like, you can't wait around for that. I understand you're frustrated that it always is you, but like, it's the world we live in. Same. See, this is what yeah. I'm talking about from the beginning. Like, you and I are saying the same things, even though we're speaking to different audiences. You're right that a lot of people do have that expectation. And I'm not big on gender roles, so I'm like, let's let's stop hanging on to this old idea that he's going to, like, you know, drop the, his calling card off at your door and <laughs> set up a time to have to have a, you know, a, a meeting with you and your your parents or whatever. Um, it's not olden times anymore. And aren't we lucky for it? Because like you said, there is so much opportunity. But I don't think anybody should be just waiting around for their life to happen. No. But that initial message Blaine, it strikes fear into the hearts of men and women because everybody is like, I want to be cute and charming. I want to be interesting. I want to stand out. I don't just want to be with baseball card, but I don't know what to say. So let's let's just start with that initial message. And then I want to get some of your you have such great texting tips and advice. And that's like a whole other phase, I think, of the dating process. What goes in that first message to really make it happen? 
Yeah. So I think there's a healthy balance here, putting some effort into it and finding something ideally unique to say that not every other person is messaging her. Well, at the same time, not over-investing in any one woman that is literally a stranger and may or may not even actually be using the app. So that balance there is really training yourself like, okay, let me look at her profile. Let me spend two to five minutes being thoughtful about something that we have in common. If you don't drink wine, don't ask her, ooh, that looks like a great glass of red. What is it? You know? You're like, like, oh, find... I don't know. It's all the same. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then you're like, actually, I don't drink. Uh, like, But maybe she's a dog in her photo. And you also have a dog. It's like, oh, like, what a cutie. You know, I adopted my dog during the pandemic and we've been best buds. Like, how long have you had Fluffy or whatever, you know, if it says the dog's name? Like, finding a question that you can ask that is something she's going to A, want to talk about, and then B, you can connect on and have a further conversation about is going to be that sweet spot. And don't, you know, at the end of the day, like, don't beat your head against the wall. Really, like, if your message is decent and she likes your profile, you're going to get a message back. And likewise, if you don't get a message back, who cares? This is a stranger and there's other ones on the dating app. So, like, don't sweat it. That's what I also want to put an exclamation point next to what you just said. This is a stranger and we get so tied up in knots. Like I had a client uh, in my program last month that was like, I, I don't know if I should pay for this app again because there's this person that I'm really interested in and I sent them a message and I don't know if I'm going to get a message back. And I just, you know, I really want to meet them. And I was like, this is one person on one app. And I mean, we all know that there are there are a lot of people on apps that are not really on the apps. Yeah. There are profiles on the apps that are not really yeah. people on the apps. Well, let's just let's just own that. And we we cannot get too attached to the idea of someone because it's just an idea. And literally, it might even just be like a bot or, you know, it might not even be a real person. A literal robot. Uh, I think that's spot on. I see that a lot. I, I, a lot of the men I work with fall into the trap of becoming overinvested. That's like the, the, the word I use for it. And overinvestment is tricky because it can lead to spiraling downward confidence really for no reason because you're overinvested in a robot that didn't exist because you're imagining your future together. And I think the best way to combat this is everything we've already been talking about is giving yourself more options. If you feel like, oh, I got this one match, it's the only match I've had this month because my profile is subpar and I never leave my house, you're going to have the tendency to get overinvested in this person. Whereas if you are going out and about, you're meeting a lot of people, you have a lot of interests and friends and you have a great profile. So you get matches, you're going to be a lot less inclined to be overinvested in any one person. Yeah. So true. Okay. Let's say you get past that point though. <laughs> and you are a little <laughs> bit invested. And you know, I think the investment comes once you've matched and then, and then I, the next phase, I call it. I call it the texting trap because it's, it's, it's like it is a trap. It's like quicksand. You know, you if you move through it fast, you can get to the other side. But if you linger in it, it will suck you down. And I love then, that. right, and then the next thing you know, you're like, I don't. How do I get out of this? So, but it's it's a necessary phase, as I see in the dating process, because you're not going to get from match right to the date. There is a phase in between. What do you advise guys for moving through so they don't get stuck in the texting trap and pulled down in the quicksand? Yeah. So 
I love the quicksand analogy because it is so spot on. You do need to build a certain amount of trust, especially with somebody you've met on the internet before you can just ask them out on a date. But especially, you know, once you have the date planned or even after the first or second date, you are much more likely to text yourself out of another date than into one. So I don't want, I don't want like, and that's really like getting sucked down in the quicksand. You don't need to keep texting her. You need to build the initial trust that can usually be done in, you know, it's different for everyone, but in a few messages over the course of a day or two, you have enough of a connection. Okay. Ask for the date, plan the date. Don't plan the date too far out. You know, ideally three to five days from now is kind of the sweet spot in my mind. And then you say, great. I'm really looking forward to meeting you. I'll text you day of or the day before to confirm the plan. You don't then need to keep talking to this person up until the time of the date. And I see this mistake happen all the time. And there's too much nuance with texting. Like you can't understand the person's tone. You don't get to see their expression, their body language. So if you're telling them of something about yourself, like there's a really good chance it's going to be misinterpreted via text, especially before you know this person. Yeah, and you're sucking all the air out of that first date. What are you going to talk yeah. about? You've been texting them, "Good morning, sweetheart," and <laughs> and <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> paragraph chunks of your life story for the last four to five days. Now what? I do not do that. Yeah, I'm fully. I I have formulas. You know, you get the match, you build the trust, you move to. Some women prefer to stay on the app. Sometimes you move to a phone number. That can go either way. It's okay. Don't stress out too much about it. Then. Okay, you make the plan for the date and that's it. Then you talk. I'm looking forward to talking to you more in person. We're continuing this conversation over drinks. And that can even be a good way to ask for a date. And then this is especially for the guys, but for anyone listening, then do the thing that you said you were going to do, right? <laughs> yes. Like I get a lot of questions too of like, this guy said he was going to check in with me the day before and then he didn't and then you know, five minutes before the date, he was like, are you still ready? Are you still meeting me here? Or just like, I was going to, he said he was going to call this night or text me this night. And then he didn't message and said something came up. (sighs) Blaine, I don't know what we're going to do about this. But (laughs) And then those women need to just send the guys my Instagram or website and say, you know what? (laughs) That's exactly what they should do. But I think, you know, it's just, we, we all need to level up together. And I know people are like, well, I don't want to be dragging somebody along or I don't want to be, you know, responsible for someone else's bad behavior. But, and I agree with that. But I also think that we, the only thing we can do is really clean up our side of the street, right? (laughs) Totally. The neighborhood will not get better if we don't clean up our side. And maybe if we clean up our side, then somebody else might be like, oh, I'm going to clean up my side now too. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you aren't responsible for anybody else's reaction or even opinion of you, but you are responsible for your reaction and the energy that you're putting out. And you're going to also attract the energy in that you put out. So the best thing you can do for yourself is like you said, clean up your side of the street and things will improve. Agreed. I, I Some rapid fire texting questions for you okay. before we go. Emojis. Yes, no, maybe? Sparingly. Sparingly? Yes. No more than one emoji per message. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. What about um, GIFs, links, memes? 
yes, if that's your style, don't feel like you have to incorporate it in and don't overdo it. Same with emojis. They can't, like, I would say, like, especially before a date, maybe you've sent her one GIF or, you know, funny thing, like, after you've confirmed or, like, that's relevant. Not all the time. Not every message. Okay. Confirm before date? Necessary. Always. Okay. What about check-in? when you get home from date? So this one, I feel I'm, it de- It depends on the situation. And I think, you know, let's say you're parting ways and you live in Brooklyn and she's walking home 10 blocks. You can say, get home safe. And then you might text her like, hey, just checking that you got home. Okay. If you're like parting ways at her doorstep or she's getting in a car to drive half a mile home, I don't think, hey, did you get home safe? But when you're separating, you might say, this is really fun. I would love to see you again. I'll text you to set something up. Um, and then you can shoot her a text maybe the next day. Like that was awesome. Like to me, and I really enjoyed hearing about X, Y, Z. I like when you're specific, like, how about we check out that gallery we spoke about? Um, I'll text you next week and we can make a plan. I love the specificity in that. Please be specific. Like just tell people what to expect. And then to your point before, and then, and then do it. (laughs) That's, that, that is a key part. But I think even just like, setting expectations can like alleviate a lot of anxiety for people. Yeah. How long after the first date should you follow up if you want a second? I think texting the next day is appropriate and even just setting the expectation of like, you don't have to make the plan for the next date and you don't have to keep it going, but just saying like, hey, thanks for taking the time yesterday. That was awesome. Like, I'd love to see you again. How about I text you next weekend and we can make a plan. And then do it. (laughs) But then let's, Let's say what happens if you are not interested. Can you, after the first date, can you can you say thank you but no thank you over text? Do you need to send a text or just uh, leave them on red? See, I, I feel like this is, again, specific to the situation. If you, you met on an app, you get drinks, it's like it's not really a fit. You might end the date saying like, it was really nice meeting you. Thanks for taking the time. And then you don't need to set up. You don't need to text again, rejecting them. You know, you don't like need to outwardly reject them if you feel like it's just a mutual thing. If then if they text you and it's like, hey, like would love to see you again. Then yeah, you should reply and say, you know, this is the connection I'm looking for. Like, I wish you the best. But I think it's really about how you end the date. Same thing if like you don't want to see them again. Don't say, this is really fun. I'll text you and then not text. Just say, this was really fun. Thanks for taking the time. <laughs> I will say, though, I got I got caught up in a lot of like, this was so fun. We should do it again. Yeah, we we should. But then like, <laughs> I don't I don't really want to do that. Like, do you stay in person? Like, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> That's actually, like actually a good one. Yeah. If the other person says we should do it again and you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, to be completely honest, I think it's like awkward. And I think from a woman's perspective, like, especially if it's one date, you don't really know this person. You might not want to like reject them in person flat out. Like Mm -hmm. you don't know what their reaction could be. I think it would just be like a nod and smile moment. (laughs) And then when they text (laughs) you to follow up, it's like, oh, I really appreciate it. Like, you know, this isn't the connection I'm looking for, but I appreciated you taking me out. Just say, oh, you're so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What about uh, after three dates? Text okay to say not so much? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What about after a month? 
No, I think that deserves a phone call, but I don't think you have to meet up in person because I've definitely had friends who are like, yeah, I thought I was going on a date and then he like broke up with me. Like that sucked. <laughs> like you were going oh, into yeah. it, like feeling excited. But I think um, from either side, man or woman, like just pick up the phone and give somebody a call. If like, you know, you've been hanging out for a month or especially if you've been physical with that person. It depends. If you've hung out three times over the course of a month and there's big breaks in between and you're not really talking, like I could see that being appropriate to send a text, but it depends on like how deep into the relationship you were. Thank you so much for joining me, Blaine. Be sure to join me in following Blaine on Instagram. She has great content there. She's at Dating by Blaine. And you can visit her website, datingbyblaine.com to learn more about her programs and other resources. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. If your profile says chemistry is important, it's an instant swipe left. Am I making a grave mistake? I'll tell you in a second. Lovers, 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 before we get into the question of the day, I have to remind you that the Profile Starter Kit is only available for free for a short time. So you have to trust me, if your profile is not bringing in the matches, you have to shake something up. And I want to make it easy for you to do that. I have profile prompt questions, I have plug and play templates, and a quick video tutorial on how to choose the right pictures, which are very important for your profile. I just want to make it easy for you. And I just want you to take action to do something different if you are frustrated by online dating. And right now, that Profile Starter Kit is absolutely free for my listeners, and it's available in an instant download at datesandmates.com. Check it out and get your profile on point for your next spring fling. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's question. Me. This goodie comes to us in a text message from M. She says, Hi, Demona. I have been online dating off and on since my divorce in 2018. I've met a lot of wonderful men and I've had a few relationships, but I'm seeking my life partner. I have noticed myself swiping left on men who make a point of mentioning the importance of chemistry in their profiles, even though I'm a very sexual woman. Is this a mistake? I have been treating it as a red flag because it feels like they either don't value compatibility or they haven't put much thought into what they want beyond sex. Am I overthinking this? <laughs> Am aren't we all overthinking everything? Isn't that what we do here on Dates and Mates? So you are in the right place. But it's good that you are getting clarity on what you ultimately want. You said you are seeking your life partner. So when I hear that, it does put up a different filter for me of the way that I would look at profiles if I were swiping for you. But I also think sometimes we get hung up on the meaning of certain words or certain actions so early in the dating process that we don't even truly understand what we're saying no to. Let me explain. You are saying if anyone mentions the importance of chemistry in their profiles, and you said you're a very sexual woman, so you didn't say sex, you didn't say your body, you didn't say hookups, you said chemistry. And you said that you don't want somebody that's not looking at compatibility beyond sex. To me, chemistry and sex are two very different things. 
Maybe it's the same in your mind. And you mentioned that you're divorced. Maybe that meant something in your past relationship. But I got to tell you, I do not see it as necessarily correlated with those two things. So I would feel a little uncomfortable reading a profile if it was overtly sexual, if I was looking for my life partner. But I'm not sure if the word chemistry is holding as much meaning for those people that you're swiping on as it does for you. But the bottom line, people are always asking me, what's a red flag in a profile? Should, should I just automatically swipe left? And I do want to make this easy for you. But I do have to tell you that there's very little that's an automatic swipe left. And in particular, the word chemistry is not an automatic swipe left. Here's how I want you all to be swiping, though. You've got to think about how do you feel when you're reading someone's profile? If you read the profile and you feel an ick, and we talked about icks a few weeks ago on the show, if you feel an ick just by the way they phrase something or a comment they made to you or just something in the pictures, the shirtless bathroom selfie, if it just makes you go, eh, I feel like in many cases that's your intuition talking. So if you're kind of scanning for certain words that are a red flag, i.e. chemistry, and you're like, chemistry's there, no, automatic swipe left. It, it, it says to me that you're looking for a way to cull the field, but you're not necessarily honing in on the, the way, the best way to decide who's a match and who's not. So try to really read the profile again or their messages again and look for intent and look for the feeling that you get when you read it. I feel like that will tell you a lot more than automatically swiping on certain words. But you're right, to, if you have clarity, to be focused on compatibility, on, on partnership, I love all of that for you, Em. I just want to make sure that you're not eliminating great matches from your dating pool just because you two may be speaking different languages about the same thing. I hope you enjoyed episode 461 of Dates and Mates. And the DMs are open. I would love to hear a question from you. You can text me just like M did at 424-246-6255 or leave me a voicemail there. You can send me a voice memo or type in your question in a DM at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will be back next Tuesday with Aliza Ben Shalom. She is the dating coach and matchmaker for the new Netflix series, Jewish Matchmaking. I'm so excited to chat with her. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.